1050. Julia Tashiri with you. And today we've got Josh Cloak of The Athletic with us. AB on a cruise right now. So we're all cursing his name a little bit, but also hoping he's enjoying himself and we get to hang out with Josh. I'm sitting in the right chair. Now. Okay. We can address the incident. We're going to have Craig Button on in a couple minutes and he knows that I have the a serious incident. game day routine. Uh, listen, we've never hosted before, Josh. So how are you to know that I have a pee that I take at 1135? Okay. I have a specific notebook. I okay. always have a flow water. Okay. And I must sit on this side. No, I, I, I didn't know. And, and, you know, the few times that I've been here before, <laughs> I sat on that side. So I was feeling kind of confident walking in here being like, all right, I think this is my third, fourth time, you know, co-hosting. You know, I've got some good ideas. You're now. Yeah, I had a bunch of caffeine this morning. I feel really, really good. So I kind of... I feel like I had a bit of swagger walking into the chair. You did. It was just that I was chasing you down. But I literally heard you stop dead in your tracks and like the 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 mood in the room got cold (laughs) because i was going for your chair yeah yeah it's just a routine thing josh it's it's uh i'm like Sidney crosby with the mcdonald's m i got a stick handle over it and i've got to sit in this chair it's uh you got any superstitions on game day you were just on a road trip uh game days I, I gotta have like uh, like today or like a like a game day like when I cover a game. When you cover a game, I am a I've become a big nap guy. Someone told me oh. a colleague told me, you know, to to succeed on a game day on the road, um, you know, do as the players do, get on their schedule. So come two thirty on game days, I get really cranky and I'm like, don't bother me, shut it down. I had a meeting the other day when I was in New Jersey. I had a meeting go and it was two twenty nine. And I kind of just like stopped talking in the meeting because I'm like, yeah, I got, I got to get out of here. It's nap time. It's nap time. I got to so get dialed in for the game. Two thirty to four, I try and shut it down. Uh, it's also rare that I get a nap. I have a four year old at home, so right. I never get to nap. Uh, so, yeah, pregame naps—they're kind of like this thing with with players. It's a real thing with reporters on the road as well. Yeah, those night shifts—they'll uh, get you. So another day off for the Leafs today. They had one yesterday too, uh, which is why obviously we came in talking about my superstitions and afflictions that right. I must have in order to host a radio show properly. But uh, you were just in Jersey. You got to. Were you on the whole road trip, or you just went for that last Eastern game? No, I, I was not. Um, you know, my dear friend and colleague Jonas Siegel nice. did most of it. Uh, he did the heavy lifting with trade deadline and those those Western Canada trips. I was able to take the you know hour and a half Porter flight down to Newark, and that's then, a good one. And then spend most of my time actually in New York City. Um, I mean, I, I think the the game is still kind of fresh. I I thought that was one of their more impressive performances, like late game performances of the season. Their first period, they were flat, and Samsonov obviously kept them in the game. Yeah. But I think we need to be talking more and more because New Jersey is a very good team, right? And I think we need to be talking more and more about the fact that the Leafs may have a a real shutdown pair there, like Jake McCabe. I think played the last minute and a half or yeah. so of the game, protecting a lead. Right, they they looked what 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 I took away from that game was that they might have a true shutdown pair in Brody and McCabe that they really haven't had all season, and that's got to feel good if you're Sheldon Keefe heading into the playoffs. Have they had a shutdown pair in your opinion before, like a true shutdown pair like this when they've made attempts in the postseason before? I can't think of a true like shutdown. Well, pair. I. I mean, when Justin Hall was at his best, was it last season, two seasons ago, when he kind of had that breakout, 
right? He is more of a kind of a skating puck moving guy, but I, I think when he uses his size and a stick, he can shut down, you know, opposition forwards really well. So I think that pair of, of Muzzin and Hall is something they've been looking to. I don't know if replicate yeah. is the right word, but just finding something stable there. And it's super early. But I think when you're talking about having just a no-nonsense pair, which is something you, I think you really need in the playoffs, uh, Jake McCabe and TJ Brody look like that. Like they, they just they look and feel like these guys that Sheldon Keefe can throw over the boards and not have to worry about. And I think that's what this Leafs team is. I think that's what we're going to see over this final stretch is who does Sheldon Keefe not have to worry about? Right? Who does yeah. he not have any questions about? Right, And there are players up and down this lineup that there are still questions. And I think Michael Bunting tried to answer some of those questions with his goal, you know, playing with, with two Marley's call-ups. Um, it's clear that, you know, he's trying to get out of the, whatever, quote-unquote doghouse. Yeah. Uh, there's other questions. Timothy Lilligren, who I know we're going to kind of talk about today. Um, but that one, like, the, the, the sooner that you can eliminate questions from your lineup, I think the better you're going to feel going into the playoffs. And again, that's what I took away from the game in Jersey just late, how the, they were able to protect the lead and do it with guys that, that they feel really comfortable having out there. Yeah, so they pulled it together in that last 40, and it was impressive, impressive the way that he shut New Jersey down in the final 40 minutes of that game, but it was Ilya Samsonov for the first 20. I sung his praises on this station yesterday, but what did you think of his first 20 minutes? Even if the last 40 weren't perfect, it, it could have been so bad after 20. I mean, it reminded me of, of, of why I was you know backing him from day one. Uh, and it's in writing at theathletic.com. Ah. Look, I, I just think he's so athletic, and, and I said this to you before, like, I see the kind of saves he's able to make, the way he's able to stretch, the way he's able to bend, the way he's able to get from post to post. And I see him being able to do that without kind of injury concerns. And I just wonder if Matt Murray is is able to make those kind of daring saves that I feel like you're going to need against a really good Tampa Bay team. Yeah, Matt Murray, great pedigree, but it's never fun to be holding your breath whenever you see him make some sort of athletic move. Okay, with that, let's bring in our TSN hockey analyst, Craig Button, on this fine Thursday. How are we, Craig? Uh, we are fine, Julia. How are they? Oh, Meeting you and Josh. We are good. We're buzzing this morning. A little bit of a mishap. Josh almost sat in my seat. We're we're past it, uh, and we're getting through. We were just talking about Ilya Samsonov. Josh, Josh, I gotta warn you. I nearly <laughs> sat in Julia's seat one time. Boy, I'll tell you what. She she turned her head and gave me a little bit of a look that said. Don't even think about it. Well, I wondered if producer Steph was on the temperature controls because it got really cold in here really, really quickly. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Really oh, yeah. quickly. Oh, yeah. I, I know it. I've been there, Josh. I've been there. I, I mean, and then, and then the beautiful thing about Julia, and there's many beautiful things about Julia, but then she just kind of gives that little laugh, like, ah, like, you know, but like, you know. There's yeah, some, there's something devious beware. behind that laugh. I felt it. Yeah, I haven't brought up that you ditched me last Friday, Craig, but we're, we're getting through that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get you last Friday. There's the weather. I mean, all that snow. How was your trip home? Was the food warm when you got home? Yeah, it, it was. It was a tough drive. Okay, we have to talk about I the know. Leafs now. I'm just bothering you, Craig. <laughs> Craig and I were supposed to do okay. CHL last Friday. Had to get to Vegas. It was a whole thing. Uh, yeah, I had to get out of Toronto. I had to get out of Toronto. You did. So I, I missed it. And I missed, a, obviously, uh, a great performance. 
uh, by Bedard, and you know that, that that's what it's all about. Watching the next generation of stars. Yeah, he was awesome. He did not disappoint in that game. But when we brought you in, we were talking about Samsonov and his performance in Jersey uh, on Tuesday night. And I saw you talking on Sports Center that you have confidence that he could potentially be the guy if if tapped to be that in the postseason. What have you thought of his performance so far, and, and what gives you that confidence that he could potentially be the guy? Yeah, I, I, I think he's been terrific. And, you, you know, being that guy means, you know, depending on what the circumstance is. And I think this year he has shown a, a real ability, uh, regardless of what the circumstance is, and, 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 and him being asked to jump into the net, that he, that he gets in there and does it well. Whether it be after an early season injury to Matt Murray, whether it be during a stretch when he knows that he's got to carry the, the, uh, the bulk of the work. And so I think that, you know, all those, all those different, uh, you know, elements and, and, and those different, uh, examples to me, you know, yeah, I, I'm sure that he builds confidence in himself, but like you're also as a goaltender, you're also trying to instill confidence in the group around you. And I, I, I when you watch him playing, you, 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 you see a play, a, a goaltender that, that, that has a real, uh, solid comportment, a real economy of effort. He reads the play exceptionally well. You know, I, I was listening to Josh just talk about, you know, his athleticism and, and, and the way he, he, he can move in and around the net. And, you know, so, you know, we, we saw back in 2017 that Matt Murray didn't make it up through the warm-up in game one of the playoffs. And Marc-Andre Fleury stepped in there and, 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 and did what he needed to do. Matt came back in the series versus Ottawa and you know, was was really solid in getting the the, uh, the cup to, uh, to to Pittsburgh. But I think that Ilya, whether he starts game one of the playoffs or he doesn't, I think that he's shown that he can be a very dependable and reliable goaltender. And I think given uh, the, the uncertainty surrounding Matt Murray and, and his record, I, I went all the way back to 2017, he didn't make it out of the warm-up in game one of the playoffs. I, and I said this, and this isn't, this isn't a, it, it, it's a fact. I, I think if you go into the playoffs thinking that Matt Murray's going to be your guy for the, for the entirety of the playoffs, there's no indication that he can do that. So having Ilya Samson off, I think is tremendous. And, and personally, he'd be starting goalie on game one of the playoffs. One thing that's kind of lost with the goaltender debate um, is the fact that Samsonov is RFA at the end of the season. The Leafs control his rights. Have you seen enough from him, Craig, this season to suggest that that the Leafs should kind of ink him to a long-term deal? Well, you know, it's interesting now where we get to this, Josh, and and we're talking about long-term deals uh, for goaltenders. You know, and and, and we see, you you know, we see some some shifts in, in goaltending performance year to year with goaltenders. You know, what I would say about Ilya, like, you know, Teams go into it and, and, and have confidence in signing goaltenders, you know, for a little bit longer. But I'll use Jacob Markstrom as an example. Second team all-star last year, runner-up in the Vesna. This year, I mean, he's been subpar. Now, I mean, when you're trying to get a goaltender and you're trying to understand what you need in, in, the, in that goaltending position, you know, sometimes, you know, the term of the contract, you know, kind of becomes – you know, self-evident. If you want the goaltender, this is what you're going to have to do to get him. And so, term. But you know, with, with the play of Joe Wall and and, and understanding where he's at, and you know, looking at where where Ilya Samsonov is, you, you know, would he take a three-year deal? I, I'm not. You know, I, I'm changing my thinking on giving goaltenders five-year deals and six-year deals. 
because I think that the, the vagaries of the position, the, the, the ups and downs, it, it's not about the goaltender per se. It's about that they change. Uh, you, you know, teams are adjusting to, to, to the style of the goaltender in, in terms of how they attack them. So, you know, understanding that, you know, that, that some of the goaltenders on long-term contracts, you know, certainly, uh, you know, become a necessity when you're, when you're trying to pursue one. But, you know, if you, if you could get Ilya Samson off on a three-year deal, which would, which would get you a couple of UFA years, you know, I, I would be happy with that. Well, to your can point, you do it? I don't know. I don't know if you can or you can't. I mean, that's where the negotiations come in. But you know, I would be, I would be, uh, you know, you got to look at what the market is. You got to look at what's available, not just within your organization, but outside, and then go from there. But that—that's where my thinking's taking me now, Josh. Is that I'm not so sure about the long-term contracts on uh, on uh, on the goaltenders. It, it's kind of the same as I feel about pitchers in baseball. Well, it, it definitely does seem like that's the way that the Leafs are, are trending, right? They they probably had some kind of conversation with Jack Campbell, and they would have known what Jack Campbell wanted, and they, they kind of essentially walked away from the, the prospect of signing him long-term. And, you know, they went, went into this season with two goalies signed for, you know, three years combined. And I guess to your point, like, is supposed to be 32 starting goalies around the league how many starting goalies right now around the league would you actually want on your team on a five plus year deal like is five are there six yeah maybe like that so it feels like the Leafs are, are trending that way and again like to your point like what are we talking about Hellebuck Vasilevsky Sorokin like Ottinger how many really are there yeah Shisterk and I'd put sure. in that yeah. category right and, 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 and it's single digits, Josh. It, it is single digits. There's no question about it. So, you know, Ken Holland many years ago said to me, and I remember having we had this discussion about goaltending. He said, every year, he goes, we know who the top five goaltenders, five, six goaltenders are in the league every year. He goes, now, one of those goaltenders might fall out and, and not have as good a year, but we still know that he's a top five or six goaltender, and somebody might slip in there. But it doesn't mean that the guy that slipped in is a top five or six goaltender. It doesn't mean that the guy that slipped out for a season isn't that guy. And I, I think that that's to your point. It's single digits, and, and, and the confidence you have in, in with respect to goaltenders uh, you know, on the long-term contracts, there aren't that many that you you know instill that full confidence uh, to to warrant a, a long-term contract. That doesn't mean they don't get it. It just means that like, what's your confidence level giving it to them? Yeah, with Craig Button right now, our TSN hockey analyst. Okay, what's your thoughts on this, Craig? I'm going to try to sell you on something crazy right now that I was totally out on. And then we had Kevin Woodley on our show yesterday, and he did such an excellent job of describing a tandem in the postseason to me that he kind of he kind of sold it to me and his. His basis kind of of the argument was going in with a plan is a really good idea as to who's going to start what what night uh, if you're doing kind of a direct split situation in the postseason. He said he saw it. It happened once in the AHL. They did a goalie tandem in the postseason, and they actually won, and he was dying to see it in the NHL. And he talked a little bit about mentality and the idea that when you're in the postseason and you're a goaltender, you know that if you play well, you're going to keep playing. And there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure that comes with knowing that. So when you go in with a plan, you know that you could just kind of play your games and, and do what you can while you're in there. Um, have I done anything in the past few moments to sell you on the idea of a tandem in the postseason? Are you of the belief that there just has to be a hot hand? Well, I, I, I think it all depends on who your goaltenders are, who you're talking about in a tandem. I mean, how, how many teams have, have the ability 
uh, to switch off between goaltenders. I mean, that, very few. The last the last team that I saw be able to do that was the Edmonton Oilers with Andy Mosley and Grant Fuhrer. And, you know, they did it successfully for, for, for a number of years. But those were two high-quality goaltenders. You know, you could look at the New York Islanders and, and make a case for Sorokin and Varlamov, right? But how many goaltenders in the league, how many teams in the league have that luxury? Like, you know, like, you know, Tampa Bay can't do that, you know? Yeah. You know, and, you know, if, if you got a lower tier of goaltender, like, you know, and, and, and maybe a little bit of inexperience in goaltending, you might be able to do that. And, and, and you might consider doing that. But for the most part, you know, uh, goaltenders, uh, you know, teams and their goaltending depth is pretty defined. There's one that's clearly better than the other. I think that the tandem, personally, works better. I, I, I think your ideal situation is in the regular season with the tandem, much like the Boston Bruins did with Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. They, they really pushed that. Yeah. And they said, listen, you know what? We're trying to set up our number one, Tuka Rask, which was clear, to be our guy to carry the load in the playoffs. So I think managing it during the regular season is really important. Now, certainly there's going to be a a mental uh, fatigue that that occurs at different points in time uh, for a goaltender during the regular season, and the pressures of the playoffs come in. But, you know, at the same time, you know, that's that's part of, you you know, identifying who your goaltender is and, and, and understanding that, in, in, I, I guess in Kevin's ideal world and in anybody's ideal world, yeah, that would be nice. Uh, unfortunately, what, uh, what what comes in, uh, what looks like really good in theory, a lot of times has no chance in practice. Craig, we're at that point, you know, with the playoffs right around the corner where we can do nothing but ask questions about who's going to be where, um, you know, in the Leafs playoff lineup. I'm curious where you're at right now is michael bunting on the first line game one of the playoffs he better be <laughs> like that's the way i'd answer it i mean who'd like who's better than michael bunting i mean he's got 20 goals and i mean listen we, i mean we all saw what happened versus the new jersey game and we, we could talk about it but i mean he's a 20 goal scorer that adds a lot and and he can play with with matthews and and, and really help him and so so to me it's it, it like great if you're not going to have him on the first line who, who are you going to have there yeah I, I guess you could put john tavares there i guess you could put ryan o'reilly there but those are square pegs and round holes i want michael bunting on my first line and i think he should be there yeah definitely proved that uh he got a little bit of a demotion and he definitely proved he he had what it takes in that game versus jersey uh, marquee matchup tonight, Craig. Bruins, Oilers is the best team in the league versus the best player in the league. Uh, I believe the Bruins could actually clinch a playoff spot tonight if, if all the stars no line way. up. Yeah, I think that's a real thing that I saw this morning. The fastest team potentially to 50 wins in NHL history. It's still it freezing outside. Why are we talking about teams like clinching playoff spots? I know. It, it's the Bruins. Oh. Um, so, Craig, can you. already clinched a playoff spot because. You know, I know people look at the mathematics, but the mathematics are such that the teams that could catch them are going to lose points just by who they play against. So they've already clinched the playoff spot. Yeah, if you think about it that way. Can you just put in context for us just how impressive this Bruins season has been so far? Well, do we, here's what I'll say. It's been massively impressive. There's no question. And maybe because of the fact that we talk about uh, – you know, uh, where they were at at the beginning of the season, a lot of uncertainty. McAvoy, Marshawn not in the lineup, 
what you know, new coach, you know, what's it going to look like? You know, Krejci's back, you know, a little bit older team. But, you know, they've been terrific right from day one. And, and, and certainly what they're doing in the league when you, when you think about, you know, the goals for, the goals against, the record, how far they distance themselves, it's pretty impressive. But, you, you know, it's real simple for the Boston Bruins now. Like, you, you know, anything short of the Stanley Cup's a failure. Just like the 2019 Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, they, they had 62 wins. They were lights out. They, they, got, they were dusted in four games in the first round. So, you know, the, the, the last team that I, that, that I see being in the same boat as the uh, Boston Bruins that won the Cup were the 0-2 Detroit Red Wings. So you, you don't see this very often from teams dissing to themselves from the, from the pack like the Bruins have. But they're going to have to win the Stanley Cup uh, for, for this to be a successful year. Anything short of that, is a, it's a failed year. Yeah, but still the regular season is still impressive. It does feel that way now. And they're playing Connor McDavid tonight, Craig. We'll see him Saturday here in Toronto. Uh, they'll play the Leafs. You guys can listen to that game on TSN 1050. But talk to me a little bit about Connor McDavid and the season that he's had and the way that goals are dropping just like crazy for him right now. Well, everything's dropping. Well, let me just put this in perspective. And you, you, you know, you, you you talk about the the Bruins season, and I can go back to 2019 to the last time we saw it. And you know, Connor McDavid doesn't have to win a Stanley Cup for this season to be a success for him. The last time, the last times that we saw a player with this much distance in the scoring race between him and the rest of the field was early 90s, late 80s, and it was Lemieux and it was Gretzky. We haven't seen that in 30 years. And that in and of itself tells you how special and how uh, uh, you know, unique Connor McDavid's season is. I mean, I, mean, I don't think there's any question he's going to score 60 goals. I mean, he, he's right on track for that, 60-plus, if, if he continues on doing what he's done, and there's no reason to doubt that he won't. Uh, 150 points, I, I, I think, is clearly... Uh, the expectation for forgettable what my expectation is of him. You know, I think that Connor knows that every night he goes out that he can produce points, not not a point, points. And when you when you consider that everybody on the on, on the in the league knows that they have to be aware of Connor McDavid on the ice, and he continues to produce at the rate that he produces at. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. And you know, you go back to the Penguins with Lemieux and Yager. I mean. Gretzky and Gretzky and Curry. I mean, we're we're back with uh, you know McDavid and, and Drysital in a similar sense, and that is rarefied air, and that's where Connor McDavid finds him. But you know, there, there's no question that when you consider Connor McDavid's brilliance and his excellence, I mean, it, 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 it is something that that is really really special. We're talking exciting players. Um, I know you had Mitch Marner. Um, in your 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 group of most exciting players, uh, and a story that came out on TSN uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, so, with that in mind, we're bringing it back to the Leafs because you know we're in the city we are. Yeah. Mitch Marner or William Nylander? Who's been the Leafs MVP this season? Yeah, that's a great question, and 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 one that like I, I could make a case for either one of them. But you you know, Mitch does so much for this team on, on the, in, in every area of the game with with respect to penalty killing, 
offensive play, you know, you know, moving around the lineup, you know, the consistency that he's that he that, that he exhibits on a game in game out basis, and, and 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 so if you want to look at at impact, which also leads to value, I, I think that Mitch is is just a little bit ahead of William. Now, William offensively has had an unbelievable year, but this isn't a he had an unbelievable offensive year last season. And, you know, you look at, at, at where William finds himself. I mean, he, he's a difference maker. He's a player, too, like Mitch has, 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 been, has been so consistent and so dangerous uh, throughout the course of the season. And, and, and certainly he lo- looks like a player that, you know, has really found a, a level of play that, that, that he expects to be at game in, game out. But just because of, uh, just because of Mitch's penalty killing and a little bit more of, uh, of some of his real, you, you, you know, in, like contributions defensively a little bit more. I, I, I would give the edge just slightly to uh, uh, to, uh, to to Mitch, but William Nylander's right there. I mean, if you're talking about the Leafs' two most valuable players, 16 and 88 are right there. Yeah, it's definitely a worthy debate. Not one I can imagine most Leaf fans expected to be having at this point in the season, but hey, with the seasons they're having... Got to be having it. Well, Craig, we'll, we'll chat tomorrow about uh, a little bit of QMJHL action. Appreciate the time as always. Oh, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Julia. Have a great day. You too. That's Craig, Craig Button, our TSN hockey analyst. Very chipper today he was. Because he didn't try and sit in your seat. Yeah, That's yeah. Why. He didn't have to have the fear. Do you have the fear right now? A little bit. I know. A, a it's, I'm bit. sorry. It's chill. I've got I've got a few things, and the chair is one of them, tragically. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I, I think, though, I'm a little bit inclined to disagree. Um, I, in terms of the Leafs MVP? Yeah, it, and it's something that oh. I probably spend too much time thinking about. But I think when you watch William Nylander, here's what, I, what I've noticed just about Nylander this season. Um, the the growth he's, he's had in his game, the steps he's, he's taken in his game, his ability to kind of, you know, hold defensemen off, his ability to change a game, which I think we always knew Mitch Marner had. Yeah. We're just seeing so much more of that. I just it's 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 tough because I still think Mitch Marner is is one of, if not the best right wing in hockey, but like William Nylander just looks so much more dynamic this season. And to me that just should suggest that there's so much more room for growth in his game. And it feels like Sheldon Keefe is really just pushing the right buttons with him that I don't know. I, I also, if we're talking about value, which we have to in a cap world, mm-hmm. like w- William Nylander provides so much more value on his cap it, yeah, and that has to matter when we're talking about MVP. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think I'm also just a, a Nylander guy. Anybody that's read anything I've written knows that. Like, I just think he's a an incredible persona and like just a fascinating person to be around. But that's I think if if gun to my head. You know, or if like I'm stepping into the wrong chair and I have to make like a right, life or death right. decision, I think I'm picking William Nylander. Yeah, I don't think there's a wrong choice there. Like it's definitely a worthwhile debate that we could go back and forth on as to who's been more valuable for this team this year because I think they've both had their moments. And then we're kind of discounting John Tavares, who's been really important to this team's success this season too. I think he's looked faster this year. He's had a better season too. But I just think that like if you like how many players around the league, like if you discount players on like entry level deals or you or you you know, forget about players kind of under two million dollars cap hit that are kind of having breakout seasons. Yeah. 
like really how many players are delivering the value like yes Connor, McDav- Connor McDavid is is producing it like a 20 million dollar player might it's a sweetheart deal right but how many players are are producing and have the kind of game changing ability that William Nylander has at, at, at $6.9 million a year. Yeah, it does seem, it's hilarious because there's so much discourse about it and now it seems like a little bit of a discount. I can't imagine after that Pasternak contract that the next one is going to look that way. Um, but but you're right, it is incredible value. Uh, we've got to get Carlo on though. We're going to chat with him on the other side, former Leafs defenseman and host of First Up. We'll get a little deeper into the deep pairings and, and everything that's going on with Timothy Lilligren. Ensure that he gets justice. But for now, you're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julie Tesheri and Joshua Cloak here on TSN 1050 and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julie Tesheri and Joshua Cloak with you today. Al's brother in vacay mode, and we love that for him. Uh, we just had Craig Button on, and we got into kind of an interesting chat about who the Leafs MVP is this season. And it's wild that we're not automatically slapping Austin Matthews on the board. But the debate has kind of fallen between 16 and 88. And, and you and Craig kind of had differing opinions, even though it's kind of it's a very marginal difference because both these guys have had good seasons. Yeah, again, I, I think my argument is based on the fact that like, if, if you're looking at who is of the most value to your team, you have to look at what kind of value they provide in the salary cap. And yeah. I know that's really boring. I get that. Right? But if you're talking about, you know, the the salary cap dictates everything that contending teams can do. Yeah. Right? Um and the value that William Nylander provides at 6.9 million is probably to me a little bit better than what Mitch Marner provides at his um 10 10 plus deal. That's where I'm at and I know that's Super, super boring. I wonder what Carlo thinks. Yeah, let's see where he's at. Carlo Koliakovo, former Leafs defenseman and host of First Up. How are we, Mr. Cheese on Fish guy? <laughs> I wish I was uh, uh, on a cruise with Al's brother. Me too. But, uh, maybe, maybe sprinkling some Parmesan on my fish risotto. Uh, but uh, oh, that sounds way more appetizing. I was picturing like a slice of cheddar on a piece well, of salmon or see, something. That's that's the way Matt Cause was sort of trying to change the narrative about it. I'm like, I'm not that guy that like just grabs a slab of cheese and puts it on my freshly grilled <laughs> slab of sla- salmon. I'm like, no, I like to sprinkle cheese on my fish. And I and, and the thing is, it's just like the way it came up is just like when when I do it and people scoff at me for doing it. You I should see Josh's myself, face right now. I think he's in the scoff club. I, I always <laughs> I always say to myself, it's like, why do people such a make, make a big deal about putting cheese on fish? Like, what's, am I missing something? So that's how it all came up. So I guess I just wonder that the reason my face was scrunching up <laughs> to the point that it hurt, like I, I, as I understand it, it's sacrilege in, in some corners of Italian, you know, cuisine. Oh, it to is. Put, to put I cheese on fish. Now, I didn't know. Yeah, this is, this is one I've been, been told a lot about. I, I wasn't sure if you were as stringent you know, with your adherence to Italian cuisine the way that, like, Petrillo is, for no. example, because I know that every time I try to bring up, you know, how delicious pineapple on pizza is, you know, I get the, <laughs> I, I get daggers. I get two yeah. daggers. So I, 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 I guess I'm curious, what, like, are you, do you adhere to every unwritten rule of Italian food culture? or, or? I, I, I don't. Okay. No, I, me I, either. I, I, I know about it, but I don't let it take over my... My, my taste buds, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like my dad, my dad scoffs at me all the time when he makes a nice fish pasta, and I say, "Can I get some Parmesan?" I put it all over top of it. And he goes, "You know, you're not supposed to put fish on cheese." I'm like, 
I'll do whatever I want because it tastes good. So, I like it, Carlo. I, I don't want right. to. I don't want to be on my grave wishing I had more Parmesan. Yeah, I <laughs> you want, could right. always have more Parmesan. I want. I want to know that in my life, I always said yes. I'm more of a Pecorino Romano guy. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's good too. But I, sure. I want to know that I always said yes. So I'm on your side. I love yes. that. Never yes. enough well, cheese. Uh, you're on my side with that. I can't say I'm on your side with your boring answer when it comes to <laughs> MVP because anything that is salary cap related, just I, I, if it's on a piece of paper, I scrunch it up and I throw it out because it just ruins the whole conversation for me. But there's an argument to be made for both players. To me, if I had to choose a player, it's Mitch Marner. Um, to give William Nylander his flowers this year is well-deserved. It leads the team in goals. He's having the most consistent season we've ever seen him play as a Maple Leaf. And I think, to his credit, he deserves that nomination. But the reason why I choose Mitch Marner is because you look at how valuable he is to this team in every situation that Sheldon Keefe plays him in. I mean, he's the only guy that plays penalty kill, power play, defensive zone extra guy on the ice uh last guy on the ice uh to kill or to hold a a lead late in the game so and he's just excelled in every every situation that he's been in and you look at the stuff that he's that he creates every time he has the puck and not saying that William Nylander hasn't hasn't done that himself this year because he clearly has but I think this team the MVP of this team and the reason why they're having as good as a season they have is because Mitch Marner has become that all-around player that has put him in this MVP conversation. Yeah, we're definitely splitting hairs when it comes down to who's been more valuable between those two guys. They've they've both definitely had their moments, but uh, interesting, Chad, but who has the edge? We've got Carlo Koliakovo with us right now, so we'll head back to the blue line because he's a former defenseman. Timothy Lilligren right now has been the subject of a lot of chatter in Leafs Nation. Recently, Carlo, he got the one scratch. He was good uh, against Jersey when he played with Morgan Riley. Where are you at with Timothy Lilligren and fitting him into the lineup? To you, is it is it vital that he's part of this Leafs blue line? He's playing every game and should he be playing over guys like like Luke Shen or maybe even Justin Hall? Like just Justin Hall come out of the lineup? Well, Julia, that's a loaded question because there's a lot to digest. There's a lot to unpack with. there. Yes. Um with Timothy Lilligren, like I'll be the first to admit it. I wasn't really high on him coming out of the minors. Uh, but give him a lot of credit. He has definitely closed the gap to where you expect him to be at this point in his development. I think he's had an outstanding year. He's definitely showed that he can be um, you know, a guy that maybe you can play in your top four. He's rounded his game very nicely, you know, moving the puck, creating offense, playing a little bit more tougher to play against uh, defensively. But um, I think it absolutely is vital for him and for this organization that he is a guy that plays in the playoffs for this team because if he doesn't, then that's another year wasted of what you know or what you hope for him to become in this organization because that, that's how you build your resume. You build your resume as an NHL player, yes, with what you accomplish in the season, but mostly be about how you define yourself as a playoff hockey player. And I think if the Maple Leafs go another playoffs without playing him, you, you just it, it just makes you wonder why is he still around. So I, I like the approach, or at least the decision, if it was a coach's decision, 
those two games in Western Canada where you know you're you're uh, putting two new guys into the lineup like Gustafson and Shen to take Lilligren out because Sheldon Keefe is basically saying to him that look we've got extra bodies here now you've had a great season but you can't get too complacent because if you get complacent you're going to have guys push you out of the lineup so you know sometimes you, you you take a healthy scratch as a punishment or sometimes you take it as just a refresh button knowing that you know okay i'm not in the lineup but if the coach is telling me i need to play a certain way to stay in the lineup well then that's got to be my focus and i thought his game in new jersey the other night was the perfect response for what sheldon keith wanted to see he was making really uh good plays with with the puck he was uh making good decisions he was being a little bit more physical in the defensive end and and i think when you compare his game to justin hall and luke shen you look what Luke Shen and Justin Hall bring. Justin Hall brings size. He brings a little bit of, of physicality on the back end. He's a guy that uh, Sheldon Keefe's trusts on the penalty kill, and it's the same player that Luke Shen is, obviously with more physicality to his game, more veteran experience. And when you're talking about winning a playoff round, as a coach, you're always going to find, you're always going to lean towards the guys that give you a better chance to win because of the way they're playing. So, it was a message sent to Timothy Lilligren knowing, or basically saying, we like where you are, but you can play better and we need you to play better. So if you play better and do that, you'll earn your way in. If not, the other guys are going to step in and, and, and take your job. So, And I think the luxury that the Maple Leafs have afforded themselves right now is they've got 18 games that, you know, you could say mean nothing. Okay, yeah, they're still fighting for home ice, but they're going to be in the playoffs. But you got 18 games to see who your best six players are going to be and Internal competition is always the best competition. So, like, that's a clear vote of confidence for Timothy Lilligren. So where does Luke Shen fit in all this? Because you don't go out and acquire a player at the trade deadline that has two Stanley Cups without the intention of playing him. Like, am I, am, am I wrong, or where are you at with Luke Shen, then? How does he fit in? No, Josh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Luke Shen was a highly sought-after defenseman at the trade deadline. There was a lot of teams that would have loved to have his services, and I couldn't believe the Leafs were actually the ones that won his services. Um, but they should be grateful that he's a guy that they were able to acquire because he brings a different element to this defense. And, you know, you're going up against a team like Tampa that's a very familiar opponent because you played them last year in seven games, and you, you look at what Tampa had to go through um, you know, they had guys that were basically being taped together by the Stanley Cup playoff round, or by the Stanley Cup playoffs with the, against the Colorado Avalanche, and and those are the, the the battles that you have to prepare yourself to get through the grind of a playoffs and the grind of beating a team that's been to the Stanley Cup Finals three years in a row. So, look, I if if I'm the coach of this team, Luke Shen's in my top four because of two things: the way that he plays. Um, how hard he's going to make it for the other player, the other team's top players in that series, and the familiarity that he has of playing against or playing with the Tampa players, practicing against those guys for for two years straight, and understanding the strengths and weaknesses of that of that team. Because you know, look, I, I don't think anybody on the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, even after all the moves the Maple Leafs made are scared to play the Maple Leafs because even as bad as they're playing right now, if there's a team in the league that, that has shown us they're able to flip the switch at the most important time of the year, they're the team that is the best example of it. But the way the Maple Leafs have reshaped themselves, 
they have to prepare themselves to play a different type of series because for the first time in a long time, the, the Maple Leafs have a lot more competitiveness and a lot more guys that are willing to buy into playing a physical type of game, including Luke Shen. Okay, so I'm, I'm going down the list and I'm ticking players off here. So Shen's in, like a, you're saying something close to a top four role. Timothy Lilligren is in. We know Jake McCabe is in. We know Morgan Riley's in. I, I feel like I'm missing something. Who comes out then? Well, to me, if you're starting the playoffs today, yeah. unfortunately, Justin Hall is the guy starting on, on, on the outside. Okay. Um, if I was the coach, the way I would um, do my pairings, I'd go Jake McCabe, Luke Shen, TJ Brody, Morgan Riley, Mark Giordano, Timothy Lilligren as your bottom pair guys. And the reason for that is Jake McCabe has obviously shown what he can do, um, you know, in his in his short number of games so far that we've seen. But what I really get excited about when I watch Jake McCabe play is this guy was a good player his whole career playing on bad teams. Hmm. And now you're seeing him play on a good team that is more responsible defensively, that is better coached. He's going to blossom because he has the skill set to do so. And, you know, he, he brings that type of game. But I, I – like. Morgan Riley has played his best hockey alongside TJ Brody. And I think the best thing you can do as a coach, if you have the depth that you think you have on the defense, instead of doing one shutdown pair, why not do two shutdown pairs where you can share the responsibility so you're not worried about exactly who's always on the ice and worried about calling guys off the ice when they're on the ice. So if you can do that between the four guys of Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Luke Shen, and Jake McCabe, I think it, it, it better helps you, um, you know, with matchups, and it better helps you with the style of play that, that, that you're looking for to shut down the other team's top players. Now, people can say what they want about Morgan Riley's defensive game. I'm not sugarcoating it. It definitely has to be better. And I think it will be better once playoff comes around. But if you allow him to do that along, alongside a guy he's very comfortable playing with, I think you get the best version of him. Interesting, Carlo. Okay, last one for you. Morgan Riley's birthday today. He turns 29, so happy birthday to Morgan Riley. Uh, We know that he hasn't had an ideal season thus far, and I just wanted to get into that a little bit with you. Have you noticed some improvements? Like, who's he playing best alongside? And and what do you think is the root of, of what's going on with Morgan Riley in this little bit of a down season? Well, there's a couple of things. Clearly, coming off of the injury that he... Um, you know, had had endured right. with a knee injury. It's not always easy to find your groove right away because the 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 strongest asset for Morgan Riley is his skating. And if he's wearing a brace or if it's not feeling as strong as it did to start the season, that's always something that you're dragging along the way. So I don't know how he how he feels health wise when it comes to his knee injury, but that could probably play a factor. Uh, clearly, confidence is a factor for him, too, because I think up until the early start of the year, he scored his first goal of the season. And I know as a defenseman, the worst, the thing I hated the most was always staring at a goose egg yeah. next to the goal column. And he hasn't had the, the best offensive season in, in, you know, in, in, his, in his eyes, for sure. But I wonder, too, he's in the first year of that long-term contract, if the pressure of signing that deal combined with the struggles that he's facing and some of the criticism that he's facing has you know, has played a, a toll with him because he's trying to live up to that contract, which ultimately he doesn't have to try to live up to that contract because they gave him that contract because he earned it, right? Yeah. So 
the pressure maybe of not maybe being as good offensively that he thinks he should be combined with the injury is maybe why we're seeing some of the struggles that we are seeing with Morgan Riley. But honestly, it's it's a simple fix. All the team needs to do is sit him down and say, look, man, we have great players on this team. You're one of them. You don't need to lead the way offensively. Just focus on making smart, simple plays and be harder to play against defensively. And if he gets that messaging from the coach, all this 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 talk or even or all the thoughts about living up to the contract completely disappears because if we're trying to if if if, if ultimately that's what the players are trying to prove, well then people should be, you know, more critical about Austin Matthews. But I'm not even critical about Austin Matthews because if his lack of or his his down year when it comes to his goal scoring translates to better team success and ultimately winning a playoff round, then everything that these guys set out to do this year has been accomplished, will be accomplished so far. Yeah, it doesn't matter what happens. If they find success in the postseason, we'll never complain about any of it. Right. Uh, Carlo, appreciate the time, sir. Uh, we'll chat soon. Can't wait, guys. Enjoy your day and uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. Carlo Koliakovo, former Leafs defenseman, he hosts our morning show. First up. Uh, we'll chat more about the defense pairings on the other side because I think we went a little long there. But for now, it's Julie Tashari and Joshua Cloak. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Oh, Bruce is back. Bruce is back. I, yesterday on Overdrive, O-Dog said something to the effect of, it feels like that Bruce Springsteen concert was a month ago. Like that, that road trip was long for the Leafs. Uh, Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. It's Julia Tashari and Joshua Cloak with you today. We just had former Leafs defenseman and our first up co-host, Carlo Koliakovo, on with us chatting a little bit about the Leafs blue line and maybe most specifically about Timothy Lilligren and the way that he's proved his worth this year, but still at times kind of finds himself on the outskirts of the Leafs blue line just as a result of all their acquisitions at the deadline now he had hall as his odd man out and i don't necessarily disagree with that but i feel like sheldon keith might yeah forgive me i'm, I'm now thinking about which leaf enjoyed that bruce springsteen concert the most sorry <laughs> it had to be mark giordano right i don't know i don't know but i i do think i'm i know what i'm gonna ask every single player on the roster tomorrow at practice okay good uh, who knew the most songs we need a full breakdown well i i adore the boss i oh. really do like like the boss is is probably top eight you're not italian me. you like parmesan and the boss no, I mean uh, the I boss transcends. The boss transcends nations. You're right. He does. Uh, didn't this guy play on the other side of the Berlin Wall? Like the, the yeah. The, the boss. Craig is, Button told us that he's going to see him in Barcelona this summer. So I, I, I kind of asked a few guys around the Leafs because it wasn't just the players. This is very inside baseball, but a lot of the staff members went as well, and I heard what they paid for tickets, and it was quite egregious. And I remember, so this was I. 2014, uh, it was my wife's birthday, and, and Bruce Springsteen uh, was in Toronto, and I legitimately didn't tell her it was her, her birthday, and, and I bought tickets from a scalper. Wow. And I know, and I just said, come downtown, uh, it's your birthday, and she probably, she got all dressed up thinking we were going to dinner. It was very selfish, but I'm like, no, we're going to see Bruce Springsteen. And I paid at the time, it was $200 a ticket, and I remember thinking, wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah. 
How much times have changed, though, that now you're like 200 bucks for Bruce Springsteen is a deal? And your firstborn child to get on Ticketmaster. Like, Ticketmaster is a whole other gong show of itself just to actually acquire the ticket. Yeah. I wa- so I'm, I'm legitimately, maybe we can bring this up later and, and deep dive some more, but I, I'm really interested to see which leaf legitimately enjoyed. Because I know some staff members were kind of like, yeah, it was fine. It was kind of long. Uh, so I'm curious who really got into it. Um, so, I, preferably, we could just spend the rest of yeah, the honestly, talking we can. about Bruce Springsteen. But, no, um, what is Sheldon Keefe going to do? I think there's probably a difference for me between what I would do and, and what Sheldon Keefe would do. Look, I come back to what I said before. If you're Sheldon Keefe and you're Kyle Dubas, you don't acquire a player like Luke Shen just to you know have him come in and out. I thought he might. But and like he hasn't played a lot for the Leafs so far, and like there's this asterisk with him staying in Vancouver, and you know with the birth of his third child, mm-hmm. and we hope everything goes really well there. But look, if you're trying to beat Tampa Bay and get over the hump, you know why else would you acquire a player that had been on those two you know Lightning Cup runs, knows the team, knows how to beat the team, probably has that that presence of mind. That is maybe even more important than what he does. You know that 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 calm, that veteran experience, yeah. maybe even more experience than the physicality, the outright physicality he brings. Like what he brings in terms of, you know, as as, as like a cycle buster, a guy that like can really shut down, you know, the Lightning's best lines. He can bring that physicality in a way that Timothy Lilligren can't. So, personally. I'd have Timothy Lilligren in because I think that plays to the Leafs' offensive strengths better. right? If they, I think they're at their best when they're playing a little run and gun and they're getting the puck as quickly as they can to the offensive zone and allowing the Marners and Nylanders and Matthews of the world to kind of wreak havoc. I do think the Leafs' forward group is better than the Lightning, so if you kind of play to those strengths and get the puck to the offensive zone as quickly as you can... And I think Timothy Lilligren's ability to cleanly get the puck out of his own zone trumps Luke Shen's. But I think if you're Sheldon Keefe and you're saying, I, 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 I'm thinking mostly about you know, the, the play in your own zone, then I, I think Luke Shen probably gets uh, his vote. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get into a little curious cloak on the other side. I feel like there might be some blue line musings to be had there. And TSN 1050 has your easiest chance to win Leafs tickets all season long. Follow at TSN 1050 on Instagram. Find our latest giveaway post. Like it and tell us who you'd bring to see the Leafs versus Sabres on March 13th. A winner will be announced tomorrow right here on Leafs Lunch. All right. Julie Desherry and Joshua Cloak will be with you. That's us. And that was a weird thing of me to say, but whatever. We'll be with you for another hour on the other side. Uh, you're listening to Leafs Lunch right here on TSN 1050.